Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Welcome to MLB.com Extras, the Colorado Rockies. I'm Allison Footer from MLB.com, here for my weekly chat with Thomas Harding, uh, our lovely beat writer who covers the Rockies. And, uh, Thomas, I just want to talk really all-star, all-star, all-star. And as, as we're talking, we're not exactly sure, like, who is filling out the rosters on the all-star team. But I just want to talk about Nolan Arenado uh, is just a fantastically awesome player who I don't think a lot of people know enough about. Uh, yes, uh, you know, he's won the last two Gold Glove Awards, so people in the game know about him. You know, he's been on the highlight reels for ever since he got here, you know, a couple of years ago. And and I, I think that people do know about him. It doesn't necessarily translate to voting. Some of that has to do with the struggles of the Rockies as a team on the field. Some of it has to do with, you know, other teams having, you know, huge fan bases that are really uh, – What's the word? Motivated to vote because their teams are doing well. But Arenado, right now when I'm looking at him, not only is he the best fielder at third base in the game, but the fact that as we sit here now he's leading the majors in RBIs and he has 24 home runs, it just tells me that he's kind of the old-fashioned corner infielder, big run producer who also gives you great defense. I mean, those guys come around not very often in a generation, so... Nolan Arenado is very much an all-star type, and I am sure when these um, teams are, when, when when the team is finally announced, and the, you'll probably know it by then, he'll be on it. Um, I, I don't think there's any doubt. Yeah, I'm sure it's got to be. Um, I mean, this has been a little bit of a, a frustrating, not a little bit of a frustrating first half, but very frustrating first half for the Rockies. Um, but you look kind of individually. There's a lot of really good players on this team, um, not just Arenado, but. Uh, you know, Charlie Blackman, and I mean, they just have, they've got some, you know, cargo, of course, too low. Um, are you surprised what's happening with them lately, or is this just so, something we thought was going to happen because the pitching was just a big question mark? Well, the, you, you thought it was possible because of the pitching. They have picked up a bit scoring runs, um, but they just came off a 10-game road trip where they went 3-7 and seven and really didn't do well offensively on that trip. But, hey, that happens with this team. The, the issue... The the issue though is always pitching, and right now the, it's it's become that rotation of Jorge. Then let us pray. Jorge De La Rosa goes out <laughs> and he pitches very well. Chad Bettis has, has been competitive, but it seems like when Jorge pitches, 
everybody believes, yeah, this is the Rockies day. Other days, everybody's just kind of crossing their fingers, and and, and, and that's a huge issue with this team. Now, how do you correct it? Um, do you make massive changes in order to get more pitching depth? That's what I'm for because this organization has proven that they can develop pretty good offensive players. And if you take a step back and maybe make, you know, everybody talks about the big money guys, Cargo and Tulo, but maybe you even need to go a little bit deeper into the roster in making changes just so that you can get enough bodies pitching and you just have to trust that, uh, that your own development and the fact that they play a course field will give you a good offense. Did you say Jorge and then let's pray? Yes. Is that is that something you came up with, or is that sort of like in the inner circle? Actually, no. That's what I came up with. I mean, that's, that's, awesome. that's what I've been that's what I've been saying for the last couple of years. I mean, it's uh, and and it's I don't know. I, I I'm intrigued by some of the guys in the rotation. Um, can David Hale figure out? Uh, you know, figure things out and put everything together. Um, Chad Bettis looks like he's developing into a major league type pitcher, and you've got the guys, um, Eddie Butler, who's gone back to the minors to to, to to work on some things that really he should have had time to work on before he was forced into the majors. John Gray is pitching very well down there. He's getting the AAA hitters out now. There, there is some finishing of development before he comes here, and I think after he gets here, there will be some struggles. But, hey, he's John Gray, and he can really throw the ball, so you want him here. So it looks like if you retooled a bit, you've got a chance maybe not to go, not to – not to have to go all the way back like the Cubs and the Astros did to where you have a number of years of, of losing, you may be able to get there fairly quickly if you have the, if you get the pitching depth. Okay, I want to talk about this Rosario play at first. So I was reading your story, and it appears – can you just explain to us what happened? And is this, a, is this just like a, a result of him just not being very experienced over there and this is sort of going to happen? Yeah, and that's what that's what we were told before the season, and it was funny because when I heard that, I was thinking this is first base, and first base is a grossly underrated position. I mean, if you play, if you think about it, you really can't have effective defense in any way, shape, or form if your first baseman is bad. Now, he has, I think, developed into. Um, Adequate at handling the throws over there. He does a pretty good job of picking up the ball. I mean, so he's not an embarrassment at first base by any stretch of the imagination. However, the prediction came true that at some point he's going to see something he hasn't seen before, and we don't know what's going to happen. And that certainly was the case. Uh, Cliff Pennington bunted toward him. He picks it up. The catcher is pointing to first base, say, hey, go to first, because he's thinking going home. It's a squeeze play. Well, when the catcher points to first, he turns and throws to first. But he doesn't really turn. He leaps. It's a, it's a wonderful athletic play. I mean, to leap like that, heading in one direction, throw it in the other direction, and really throw a strike. The problem is there's nobody there to catch it. And what compounded the mistake was uh, Brandon Barnes in the outfield uh, on that play um, was not backing up first base. Usually if there's a bunt and if you see a team that's totally engaged and um, maybe they're getting good pitching and everybody's on their toes, as soon as that bunt happens, everybody on that field is moving. Well, Brandon Barnes wasn't moving, and then uh, the, the throw was even worse than you – know, it, it just compounded a very terrible-looking play. Poor guy. Well, 
I'm guessing. It was what I li- and I've got to say is, what, here's what I like about Rosario is that he owned it. Yeah, I made the I made a bad play. I will, you know, I will fix it next time. And and his point, and this is what you see a lot in athletes, and I think one of the one of the separators between people who accomplish something in athletics and and people who end up, you know, like us analyzing it, is that if if a lot of people make that play, they are embarrassed almost to the point that they're tentative the next time. I don't think Lean Rosario is going to be tentative. Something else terrible may happen, but he's going to go at 100 miles an hour, and he will find a way through it, and eventually that's how you learn is by making the mistakes. Yeah, it's funny because I think the only ones, uh, like observers or baseball, who, who make uh, things seem a lot worse than they are are the fans, whereas the players seem to have uh, a pretty good grasp on the level of importance of one single moment and the big scheme of things, and we tend to not be able to see it the way they see it. Yes, uh, because, you know, if you're thinking about that play, then what's going to happen on the next play? And that's that's just simply the way that you do it, and that's when you're – um, even working with kids or there are kids out there listening, you're going to make a mistake. And maybe when you're walking down the hall at school, the, your friends are going to be saying, gee, how did you make that throw? And kind of laughing or whatever. But the, 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 the way that you tend to learn in these sports is, is you're taught to be aggressive. And then when you make a mistake, you'll double back, okay, what happened? But you you make your mistakes fast, you run through those mistakes fast, and then you learn from them. And that's just the way the game the game goes. Absolutely. Well, let's uh, talk a little bit about Jenny Kavnar. So she is uh, entering the broadcasting world as an analyst on the on the radio broadcast. So tell us about her. And this is unique. Um, it's not uh, unprecedented because, of course, Susan Waldman is the is the an analyst for the Yankees radio broadcast. But um, but this is something new, certainly to the Rockies and, and new to a lot of us. So tell us about her and what her new duties are. Yeah, well, she did. She filled in on some games this past weekend, um, the, the three of the four games in Arizona, because one of the TV broadcasters was out. So they kind of shuffled personnel around. And Jack Corrigan, one of the voices of the Rockies, along with Jerry Schemmel, approached Jenny and said, listen, we have watched you do the um, interviews before the game, the some of the sideline reports, and do that uh, post-game show where she is helping analyze with, with several players, whether they be um, Ryan Spielborgs or Corey Sullivan or Jason Hirsch or, um, or Jeff Houston. And they're like, you know this game well enough. Why don't you come into our booth as an expert analyst and work these games and see how it goes? And, you know, there was a, there was a really big um, reaction nationwide to this. A lot of people were happy with it. And the people who have watched Je- Jenny perform on the air here really believe that she could even be a play-by-play announcer, which you know, ESPN has done a great job of working women into play-by-play on football and basketball um, for whatever reason, we have not seen it in baseball, and frankly, I cannot think of a reason not to do it. Uh, I guess Gail Gardner did a game back in 1993, a Rockies, uh, a Rockies game, in fact, um, and Susan has been doing a really good job on the Yankees um, radio for years, and she's done some television with them. So I would like to see that happen. Now, knowing Jenny, and I did ask her about this, I'm like, what about play-by-play? She's like, I'm not going to just jump in there and do play-by-play just because people want me to do it. If I'm going to do play-by-play, I'm going to practice it. I'm going to make sure that people are are, are um, 
critiquing me as I go. So, you know, if, if you do hear that she will be doing play-by-play in the future, I will bet you that what will it, it will be the result of her just sitting in a booth during the games where maybe if she's going to do post-game, she sits there during the game doing play-by-play that nobody sees, but people, but people are teaching her to do it correctly. That's so awesome. Well, I am rooting for her, and uh, it's about time, in my opinion, but that's great, great for her. Um, thank you so much, Thomas. We will uh, enjoy All-Star Week, and we will talk to you when the season resumes. All right. Uh, talk to me then. I'm looking forward to it. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go. Every night, on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.